Resilience, adaptability, and leadership. What do those things mean to you? Well, they are absolutely critical for anyone running their own business. And of course, in our world as consultants, coaches, trainers, they're really important when running our own businesses. And today we're going to explore how the principles from the world of military discipline can be brought into and transformed into business success. My guest this week is Gary Banford, who is a veteran with 22 years service in the UK Special Forces, specifically the SBS or Special Boat Service. That's one of the uh, lesser known cousins of the SAS. And Gary is the founder and lead coach of Juratus, which is a consultancy firm in the UK. And the name Juratus comes from the Latin word for endure. And what's really interesting is how someone like Gary stepped away from a really different world, the high pressure world of the military. You think of what special forces are often up to, you know, response uh, with minimum notice to what we call VUCA environments or volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous environments, and how he's taken his skills, his experience, brought together a team, and built a highly successful company working with clients. So we're going to look about look at the story that Gary has, his background, what made him uh, join us in our world of consulting and training, the kinds of clients he has, and the kinds of work he does for those clients. And Gary's story is a real testament to the power of adaptability, leadership, and resilience. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the Training Business Podcast. This is your show. This is the show for people like you and me. And every week we have guests on the show. Sometimes it's just you and I where we riff together on something of importance to mindset. But most of the time, I'm privileged to have guests on the show in the world of consulting and training. And the reason I do this is to bring them your well, to bring them to you effectively, to bring you their story, um, their mindset, their thinking, their products, how they mark themselves, how they work with clients, um, how they actually generate business and leads. And this is really the kind of stuff that um, helps people like you and me. And I get loads from interviewing guests, and I think you do too, because looking at the mails I get from people, this is the stuff that is inspirational for you and sometimes helpful because it gives you ideas as to how you can market yourself and the kinds of uh, leads you could generate for your business as a consultant, coach, trainer, or facilitator. There's loads to unpack in this week's episode. Gary, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're both in the UK this week. And the reason that um, I've been really looking forward to having you on the show is because you have an interesting background and it's it's your time in the special forces, and it's not the first time I've had someone on the show with a military background. I've had um, uh, former pilots, uh, U.S. and U.K. and and uh, officers, and uh, you know different levels of, of of the military. But what I think is really essential to understand is is why people with a military background might leave the forces and then decide to set up in our business, which is consultancy 
training, coaching, that kind of thing. So why don't we start, first of all, with you? You are the founder and lead coach of Juritus. Um, I'm curious about the name. What um, gave you the inspiration to call the organization Juritus? Yeah, that's a good question. So I was when I was in the Special Forces, I was always fascinated when I first joined with the guys that were towards the end of their career that still had energy, they still had vigor, they still have a zeal for, for what it was that they did and were passionate about what they did. Because when I first got into that organization, the train was moving at a thousand miles an hour and I quickly realized I needed to up my game and learn some new skills to uh, to survive in that kind of uh, a high pressure environment. So um, Juritus means to endure and, you know, whether that's through consistency, longevity, it's something I'm passionate about. We can all um, work incredibly hard for short periods of time, but you know, success in any game, success in any sphere is going to come about well, through hard work and effort. And um, the, I think Duratus speaks that to me and a lot of the people that I work with that, you know, this isn't about quick wins or hacks. Right. Like a marathon, long process. Quite often. So I want to perhaps talk about your experience in, in the armed forces. And um, there are some organizations that make a point of looking for people who've come from that background of discipline organization and so on. Um, you spent 22 years in the, the forces. Um, what made you feel, you know, I want to now go into business and share what I've learned with people who listen to someone like me? Yeah, again, another great question. So the last two roles that I uh, had in in the military, in, in the special forces unit that I was in down in, down in Paul in the SBS, um, well, the penultimate one was overseeing recruitment for that organization. And it wasn't a job I wanted to do, especially. Uh, we, we say we were voluntold to do it um, because it <laughs> was... Uh, very good. <laughs> because, because we, uh, we'd, you know, I'd been very operationally focused before that. And it, it was a job away from the operational focus. And um, but what I quickly realized that job was to get to get success in that in that role, which was, you know, in, improve inflow was to build relationship and trusts, trust with the future aspirants. Now, to get that relationship and to build that trust, they needed honest, honesty from me and honest feedback. And so um, we sit, sat alongside them and we gave them the real insights as to what it was that they needed to do to unlock their potential. Um, and, I, and I loved that job more than I ever expected to do. I'd never defined myself as a coach or a mentor, um, but that job, asked of me to become a coach to some and a mentor to others. Now I quickly realized that I'd been a coach and a mentor my whole career to various people in various guises, but I'd never defined myself as that. But this was the first time that I'd I'd really uh you know tried to upskill my coaching skills and my maybe my mentorship kind of communication. So um and then because we got good results good results in that organization um, in that role and bearing in mind our competition at the time was the SAS so some might say tough competition um, I was asked then to oversee recruitment um, as the sergeant major uh, of, of the whole of UKSF group. And again, it was an interesting time trying to bash some big egos together and also uh, have my own in there as well, for sure. Um, but again, thoroughly enjoyable and again, understood what we were looking for and communicating that to the people that wanted to join us. Now, over that time, I learned myself how much I enjoyed those roles. And I wondered if there was an opportunity outside 
of the military because again I was sure that this point in my career is time for me to spend some more time at home and around I'd spent a career away from my family I've, I've got uh, a wife and four children it was time for me to be around more and I wondered if there was an opportunity to create a business around coaching some mentoring others um, in a more uh, corporate setting or uh, with business leaders so that's what I set out to do and um, I quickly found there was, um, we, we coached, or I say we, um, started with me. I just coached everybody, um, that, that, that I could. And, you know, over the course of a couple of years, coached a few hundred people and learned an awful lot about that process, learned an awful lot about their, their needs and how to help them, um, in a, in a service way again, um, to the point where we're at now nearly five years down the road, um, where we're working with, uh, senior business leaders, um, C-suite staff. We work with high performance teams in, in sport, Premier League, et cetera. So, um, we've, we've come a long way and, and, you know, I've, I've got to be honest, I, I really, I really enjoy it. It's a, it's a, it's a pleasure doing some of the stuff that we do. So it was a, a decision that made you feel you could transfer these skills into a business setting. What, what made it a business for you where you feel, you know, I can actually make a living from this. I enjoy it. It, it uh, helps me to take some skills I had previously employed in the special forces and now apply them in a business sense. I want to understand your thinking about moving from, let's say, a, ro- a paid role in, in the military now to working for yourself. What was that like? Yeah, so scary as hell, right? Um, in the sense that, like I, like I alluded to, uh, and I was a husband and father to four children. I needed to, you know, I was, I was relatively well paid in the in in top of my game in special forces as a sergeant major. Um, you know, I didn't want for anything financially, but leaving that safety net and then creating a business where cash flow meant me going out and seeking it was a brand new experience. So no, it was really scary. But again, I think one of the reasons from your initial intro with regards to why some veterans, um, especially from my background, end up starting their own businesses is they're pretty well accomplished at managing risk. And it's something that they're very used to um, shouldering. And it's a tough responsibility, but ultimately we, we've we also learned that through that burden, through that tough responsibility come, comes a um, high rewards and mm. fulfillment from what it is that we do. And so I guess lots of experience gave me that realization that I could turn it into a business. But one of the one of the moments that sticks out in my mind is um, through a, one of the guys that I'd started coaching, who was um, uh, an M and A lawyer. Again, even working with an M and A lawyer was kind of you know evidence to myself that um, a senior partner in an organization that I could that I could help. Um, so I had that realization. But he connected me to a private equity firm. Again, a company that is dealing and buying businesses for hundreds of millions of pounds. I I walked into that meeting thinking, how on earth can I serve these guys? How on earth can I help them? You know, this imposter syndrome, some would sort of suggest. And by going into there with an open mind, listening to the problems that they were talking about, realizing that actually one of the things that we are blessed with uh, or were blessed with in the military is high levels of training in our particular fields. And and we can really, you know, some of that training, whether that's in leadership, whether it's in skills or the jobs that we actually uh, have to get involved with, specifically the leadership training, that we can we can communicate some of those experiences and, and, and liken them to people's working environments because there's lots of crossover, there's lots of similarities. We're we're, we're always facing people problems. My my people might think 
or imagine what a special forces mission might look like on the other side of the world. Most of the time, it's small teams of people going to a different group of people and, and trying to build relationship and trust. That's what we do most of the time. And so, you know, that's clearly got a lot of crossover with, with people and organizations um, and how they work today. And if we look at Juridus for a second as a business, um, you do a couple of things. First of all, you offer leadership and resilience workshops for teams and you coach male leaders on a one-to-one basis. I want to obviously dig into that one. What, 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 uh, why male specifically? I'm conscious of the fact that some of the guests I've had on the show only work with females. Now and again, I've got someone on who says, no, well, actually, we only work with males. What, what was the decision there and, and why? Um, Again, we we lean on authenticity, um, and we, we we really value that as a pillar to what it is that we offer. Um, legitimate authenticity. I know a lot of people talk authenticity, but with our, you know, my whole experience in my working environment was a male only environment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's is that a, is that a specialist re- skills? Is it a special um, setup? Well, it's different, but equally. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my experience. Now, can right. what we do help women? Of course. Is that something that I can serve them best? I personally don't think so. I think there's other people out there that could do a much better job than I. So it's a personal decision. Um, and we have we have female coaches that we can align groups and organizations to that we we've got a lot of respect for. But um, the decision was made really because from authenticity. That's my whole there's never yet been a uh, a, a, a female, a woman, uh, past UK Special Forces selection, and I, and I very rarely got the opportunity to work with them. So it's it's just a mm-hmm. place of authenticity, really. Got it. Okay. You also have a community of uh, leaders, and those are people, as you say in your text on your website, who are res- wrestling with the same leadership issues. So what kinds of organizational requirements do your clients have that would make them reach out to Juritas and bring you in on, on paid work? So when we're working one-to-one with the leaders of the organizations, we, we realize, and this is one of the things that I found, found when I started working in, in the public and private sector, that um, leadership can be really lonely mm-hmm. in a lot of organizations. And although leaders want to create an open environment where they're collaborating with their senior leadership teams, they're also often wrestling with their own personal issues and their own personal challenges. And, and having a trusted confidant working alongside you that has faced very similar problems, you know, for context, I spent many years around the globe, thousands of miles away from my family, and that's hard. And But I was dedicated. Uh, there, was, there was a purpose behind what it was we did. And I bought into that. I was bought into that. And I know there's a lot of business leaders that listen to this and feel exactly the same, but juggling that isn't easy. And I think when you can, again, like I mentioned already, from um, you can speak to a, a fellow leader uh, who has authentically faced similar challenges, um, then then there's a lot of comfort there. Um, Amy Edmondson would talk about the psychologically safe space. Right? And, uh, and I mentioned earlier in this conversation about building trust and relationships. When I can legitimate or we can legitimately empathize with the leaders, then there's a trusted space where they can they can be more open to share their concerns and their problems. So it's not just family problems or or concerns with um managing time with regards to work in the family. There's there's lots of other crossovers, but that's a big that's a big one. And it's and it's you know something that we can really relate to. You you've said to me offline that there are two 
or more principles, simple principles of leadership. And uh, you also refer to a skill most commonly found in special forces leaders, which can be learned. I'm intrigued about those two things. So people sometimes overcomplicate leadership. You know, there are plenty of books on the subject. What are the two simple principles that you would think come to mind for you? Pleased you asked me again. So just like you said there, this is a topic that is very easy to overcomplicate and something that most people get wrapped around the axle with. And I'm not going to sit, stand here and say that, well, by me saying two simple principles makes it, makes it easy, but they, they are, they are um, easy to name. Let's just say that. And so for me, the first principle of leadership is it has to be that it's not about you. So leadership by its very nature concerns a mission, a purpose, an organization, a group of people. And so by that very nature, it, it can't be made about you. And people often get, um, too involved or too concerned with their their ego. A lot of problems within organizations come about by people's egos getting in the way. We read a lot about a lot of famous CEO leaders. Again, it's it's a very common thing that people are out there professing their expertise. Uh, we don't we don't profess to be the experts in this in this sphere. Uh, we've got our experiences and we feel that we're very experienced, but we also know there's a lot to know. It's interesting you say about complex before. Um, I went to a presentation recently. I, I googled leadership, and in 0.5 seconds, we got half a billion um, returns. So, good luck on anyone professing to be an expert on that, right? Um, and I'm sure if we gave Google a little bit longer, it could find one or two more. So, there's a lot of information out there. So, it's just like trying to drink from a fire hydrant. Um, so, so that's the first principle. It's not about you, but the second principle that we hold uh, our leaders to account with. Well, actually, it's all about them. What do we mean by this? Well, actually, it's they can be the role models. They have to set the tone. They're the ones that shape the environment. If they're walking past the problem and not saying something, then they have to be the ones that hold themselves accountable to change that. So whilst leadership isn't about the individuals themselves or their own success, it is also absolutely about the, the principles, the roles that they play and how they serve their organization. Now, many people would... Um perhaps struggle to compare themselves with special forces. We, we've been inundated in recent years with programs, sometimes almost um, a bit uh, like, um, how would I say, uh, shallow viewing, where these programs simplify what is actually a very complex selection process into something that can be consumed in a TV drama, you know, that we've got people uh, running up and down, being shouted at. Um, so some people have a strange view of what, what goes on in selection, but you say there's, there's this common skill or a skill commonly found in special forces leaders, which can be learned. Can someone actually learn something from um, special forces leaders that yeah, uh, they would not otherwise consume or find out about? Absolutely. So we had this conversation recently in a, in a circle. We had, we get a number of performance psychologists in some of which have been embedded for a number of years with um, ours and other tier one uh, elite special forces units around the world. And we unpicked this question and I asked the question to this particular uh, performance psychologist. And uh, she said at the time, she said, oh, like the one thing that she sees that's, that stood out in the organization that she uh, worked in, and it's exactly the same for us, is this ability to downregulate. Now, what do we mean by that? So I, we talk about this, we talk about three self-skills, this increased self-awareness, 
we talk about self-regulation and we talk about self-reflection. But this this skill specifically that I'm talking about now is this self-regulation, this ability to down-regulate your emotions, down-regulate your feelings. So you can see the problem and the fight-flight instinct that we all have is is omnipresent waiting under the surface with a lot of business leaders, isn't it? Now, of course, I'm not suggesting that we can, you know, the, the things that cause our car engines, the accelerator to be pressed, our, our body's engines to it, you know, we can't affect that. that. There is, if I'm driving down the motorway and an accident nearly happens in front of me, you know, I'm not calm in that situation initially. I'm, I'm, my, my instinct kicks in and that's the same with any problem in business, you know, when somebody has challenged you to a problem, but the skill of down-regulating yourself, the skill of self-regulation, of calming yourself down to make a more informed, more calculated, better decisions is a skill that we should be practicing. There's physiology that we should be understanding that can help us to be better informed as to what's going on and what we can control about it. And there's some really simple things to have, um, a quick effect on our on our body's physiology, helping us to to make those better decisions. So it's absolutely a skill we can learn. Now, the nature of special forces training often instills this into people. It's not until recently that they started to actually coach this into into guys. It was more of a byproduct of what we did that um, that people learned it. They had to learn it. And in fact, in on military operations, we have to have this ability to calm ourselves down. If everyone's running around like headless chickens. You know, which again we can see in organisations when there's a there's problems occurring, that people don't make the best decisions. So that, that's not good for our business. So no, that's absolutely a skill we can learn. It's something that we help a lot of organisations leaders specifically with. Your website's quite comprehensive. You have um, information about your own coaches. So it's it's grown to a business now that there's more than just you. Uh, what was that like moving from a one person business to hiring consultants, coaches that represent your brand? Challenging, but very natural as well. So mm. I've spent a career 20 plus years surrounded by high quality people. When the, the, In fact, when I first left and I started business on my own, um, it felt quite lonely. This is why some of the some of the, the the issues that I've raised um, were, were realized for myself too. So it felt quite lonely. So like speaking to some former colleagues of mine and saying, hey, we've got this opportunity. What do you think of this? And trying to get some of the best guys working alongside me felt like a very natural uh, thing to do, actually. And I'm, and I'm very pleased with uh, some of the coaches that we've got. But also I recognize the weakness in the business with just recruiting people from my former organization. So um, we've, we've aligned with um, um, a performance psychologist again, uh, Professor Martin Jones, who's got a deep, deep history in um, research around human performance, ultimately. So we've got that academia dovetailing with the business of our very um, practical and uh, operational experiences also. So I think that gives the business, well, I know it does, and we get great feedback from the clients that we work with. We, we I picked up a, uh, a LinkedIn message uh, just yesterday from a, a client that we uh, worked with last week that said, you have got a ridiculously credible team of people, which uh, I thought was quite quite fitting compliment, really. It's nice to hear when people don't just look at you and say, well, I'm only hiring Gary because everyone else is like an add-on. What, what you really want to hear as a business owner is that they recognize that there's a skill set across the team. And, and people have said that to me, is that often they're afraid of expanding their team. They are a, a one-person consultancy or one-person trainer, one-person coach. What often holds them back is one, the fear that other people will not be taken as seriously. Um, 
by their clients uh, as they are, um, as they are personally. And so they struggle to find someone who, whom their clients will hire instead of them. And in effect, you want to build a team of people so that you're not the only person in the business that makes up the business, right? Absolutely. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that this is easy, mm. uh, um, but actually, and it, and it has been the challenge building, because again, the, the two key words that hopefully um, run through this conversation is relationship and trust. And so building trust with future clients isn't easy for the other coaches without, you know, I'm, I'm quite often with a podcast or with some of the information that we put out there, the um, some of the front and center with that information. So actually building trust into the other coaches that we have for our clients is is a challenge but equally it's it's you know, there's, there's ways and means and this mm. is one of the benefits of the inner circle that we've got where they get to know um, our other coaches on a more um, human level let's say and they build trust and, and comfort in, in in the skills and ways that they can help each one of our clients also so yeah we've got ways and means to get around that but it is difficult for sure um, before we wrap up, you, you mentioned something on your website, which is um, under your services. It's Duritus Inner Circle. What gave you the idea of having an inner circle? And tell me about how that helps your business, your brand, uh, based upon what's in it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we've, we've had this for just over a year now. Um, and so what, what I found Mark, was I was having very similar conversations with our clients and they didn't know that they were having very similar colleague uh, conversations with peers of theirs or people in other sectors. And so I, I, we had about maybe 25 or 30 clients at the time. And I put it to them that we put them together inside a group to sort of learn from one, one another, a bit of peer to peer coaching and share some experiences. Again, my experiences, we've always been around a dinner table talking about how to resolve complex problems. Um, that's how we did business more often than not. We, we sit around a table and come up with plans together. Now, so I put it to the group and most of the group, you know, not all, but most of the group bought into that and it's it's grown from there really. So now, now it's, a, it's a service that we've got where, you know, like-minded leaders, mostly either business owners or senior leaders inside businesses that that are facing problems that they feel like they could benefit from speaking to trusted people outside of their organization to maybe get a different perspective. High performance teams do all this all the time. They collaborate on problems and they come up with uh, solutions based on how other people that they've come to speak to have, have, have overcome similar problems. Now we're just recreating that uh, within the inner circle. Now it's, it's grown in a number of directions. We've got a huge bank of resources. We've got uh, lots of webinars that we've recorded with uh, our high performance speakers. Um, so it's grown in lots of directions and it is a, it's a great asset that our, uh, our community, and we also meet in person. We're going up Ben Nevis uh, this winter uh, in February, actually. So we're, in winter time. Um, in right. winter, because it's difficult. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we could wait until the summer, but it's, uh, we're going up in February because it's difficult and, and having a bit of adventure. Well, one of the common things that I hear from um, senior leaders in their business is that they probably miss that adventure tick in the box. They, life, life can take over sometimes and sometimes carving out a bit of time for, for them to have periodic bouts of, uh, or periods of uh, adventure is something that's, uh, something that a lot of them cling on to and look forward to. So no, we have a good time with that. And Ben, Ben Nevis for people uh, listening who don't know what that is, is, is Scotland's highest peak. Is that right? That's right. It's the, it's the yeah. UK's highest mountain. 
um, and it'll be snow capped, and there, there's, there'll be a, a lot, plenty of whites at the foot there this time of year. So um, we don't know what the weather's going to do, but it's going to be interesting for sure. Well, at least it's not uh, selection in the, in the Bracken Beacons, right? <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Gary, thank you so much for being my guest today on the show. That's my pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. Where can people find out more about you? You can, on the website, duratusuk.com. That's D-U-R-A-T-U-S-U-K.com. Um, or I'm on LinkedIn as Gary Banford. It's Gary with two R's. Blame my parents for that one. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm happy to people to reach out and to, to find me and communicate with me on there. Sincere thanks to Gary for being my guest this week on the show. And you can find all links mentioned in this week's episode over on www.trainingbusiness.com. You'll also find uh, links to Gary's company and other resources mentioned. Now, if you've not yet subscribed, this is my chance to ask you to do that. If you've not yet subscribed to this podcast, all you have to do is very simply click on subscribe or follow and you'll be notified of episodes as they come out every week. And if you want to let me know what you find useful or would like more of or less of, then drop me a line personally. My email address is mark at trainingbusiness.com. I read everything and reply to it individually. Love to hear from you. Until next Thursday, look after yourself. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.